0: Hey friends, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to bring you today's guest interview with my friend Nadine, and we are going to be talking all about how you can start to infuse what your clients really want into your messaging, into your marketing, in the way that you position your offers in order to help read your client's mind and to sell more. And selling more means that you're going to be able to scale your business. So Nadine is going to share some ways that you can do some market research, some ways that you might not even be thinking about or maybe you're doing them and you never even consider that this is market research and that you can use this. So I'm really excited to dive on into the show, get out your pen and paper, take a bunch of notes. I can't wait to hear what you think. Let's go ahead and go meet Nadine. Each week, I'll be sharing business strategy, systems, and tactical tips that you can take into your business today so you can finally step into that CEO role you desire. Let's dive on into the show. Hey, Nadine, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today.
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Aubrey. It's such an honor to be here.
0: Yeah, so I would love to, before we get into our topic today, which I'm so excited to talk about, I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience, let them know a little bit more about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, totally. So hi, I'm Nadine. Um, I am a strategic website and email copywriter based in uh, usually sunny Sydney, Australia. i also a mom of three tiny humans that keep me on my toes. So I know the juggle and, you know, running a business while trying to stay sane and uh, raise a family as well. So I... um, came into copywriting um, rather left field, like most of us copywriters. I've got a background in corporate communications and um, corporate sales. I used to travel the world for one of the truly iconic um, car brands, um, to motor shows, press launches, product launches overseas. And um, then, Unfortunately, it was made redundant, as happens to so many of us women after baby number two, and really ended up in an identity crisis, um, not really knowing what to do. Uh, and the only thing I did know was that I didn't want to be a number in a system, in a corporate um, company again. Um, and that really sent me on a soul-searching search, soul mission to um, yeah, find my strength, what I love doing, and how I can have the biggest impact on um, yeah, our universe, and um, ultimately, it all came back to my love of writing and finding that unique angle, unique selling proposition, and you know, um, selling selling things and and really selling a point of difference to to an audience. So, took all sorts of copywriting courses um, with some of the best um, in the field, and um, have been full time in my copywriting business now since late 2020. So I ran it on the side as a side hustle while working full time um, back then for Australia's largest retailer and really, um, yeah, trying to get out as quickly as I could. So it was a bit of a juggle for a while, a corporate gig, three kids and um, yeah, trying to grow my business. But um, since 2020, it's really gone from strength to strength. And I now support um, amazing women-led brands, both in the service and e space, and um, yeah find their point of difference and finding copy that really speaks to their perfect fit audience and i have never looked back
0: i love it such a great story to hear and i would love to just ask you quickly cuz i know that this is something that a lot of women in my community do for quite some time is that juggle of well i really want to come home i really want to make this business work but you know, just the want and the desire of wanting it to work doesn't always work. We need it to financially support us too. So do you have any things that helped you to, you know, you said you've got like three little ones at home. Any tips that you could share for anybody who's doing that side-by-side juggle right now of their full-time job and trying to, you know, get their business off the ground? Is there anything that helped you to manage both of them?
1: Yeah, um, it certainly is a juggle, as I say, and um, it totally helps when your side hustle and what you're trying to do um, aligns with your passions and,
0: you know, um,
1: the bigger impact that you're wanting to have on the universe. So I have a super supportive husband, um, which really helped. So when I, you know, came home from my corporate gig um, at around six o'clock, uh, he then picked up the Slack and um, that meant... Um He looked after the kiddos while I yeah wrote the copy and I tried to get my name out there, did social media, did all the things um you have to do early on to um yeah keep growing and um it certainly was challenging, but as I said, I did love what i um what I do, and um it helped to yeah, um really find the fulfillment. So what I embraced early on though was systems. Um, because I'm still a one woman child. So I still do everything in my business. I'm hoping to change that down the track, but at the moment it's still me, myself, and I. And um, I invested in Dapsado quite early on. So um, just to automate that onboarding um, process, the offboarding process, and the whole customer experience. So rather than doing everything manually and having to send out quotes, doing quotes manually, I um, yeah, took a program, invested in that to really um, up my customer experience and automate that. So now, even when I am working on client projects, when I'm playing with the kids, when I'm taking them to sport, doing all the mum things, I know that um, clients can, you know, sign proposals, um, make a payment. So that really has taken a massive load off my shoulders.
0: And that's music to my ears. I love systems. I remember when I first invested in Dubsado because before I was sending the proposal and then after they signed the proposal, okay, like now I got to get in there and, you know, be at my computer to send the contract and to make sure the invoice is correct and do all that stuff manually. And I remember one time I was driving my son home from, he was at like a nursery school. I picked him up and I got a notification. We were at a red light and I got a notification on my watch because I had it hooked up to my uh, Gmail. And I got a notification that like, it was like, proposal approved, contract signed, invoice paid. And I didn't have to do any of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I mean, he was, he was little at the time. He didn't know, but I'm like, this was so cool. Like, don't you think this is so cool? And he's just in the back, like bopping his head around. But um, I remember that feeling of like, finally I can at least free up some of that time of doing some of those mundane tasks that unfortunately like they need to get done in your business, but you don't always need to be the one doing them.
1: Exactly. And um, the further into your business journey you get, obviously, the more clear you are on the services as well. So, um, you know, early on, I did everything for everyone and every quote was custom, um, customized with a custom quote and custom inclusions. And um, once I let go of that and just went you know, this is the way you can work with me, take it or leave it. Um, I've proven that it works. This is the best way to do it. Um, It just made everything so much easier because yeah, those proposals were the same proposals. All you had to do is update certain bits and pieces and that made it so much easier as well.
0: Yeah. I love that. Okay. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that piece. Cause I know it's, it's helpful to hear from somebody who's been there, done that to give somebody who's currently in that situation, a little bit of boost and some encouragement that they can do it too. So now I want to dive on in to the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is all about the idea of reading your customer's mind to scale your business. So I would love for you to even just give us that like, why is that so important? Like why and and is it even possible really to like read your customer's mind?
1: Um I'd say it is because you um yeah, you just have to go about it the right way. So know your customer, your ideal dream customer inside out, know where they're hanging out. And then it all comes down to asking the right questions. So actually putting yourself out there and taking that risk to get honest feedback from um, your audience rather than assuming things, um, you know, assuming your messaging, assuming the services and the office um, they want, assuming the problems they need to have solved. Yeah. Um, it's really about, yeah, contacting them and, and giving them the chance to open up and giving them Uh, You, the language that they're using to describe their problems, their objections, their desires, even their false beliefs that might be holding them back from actually taking that first step and um, making a move in the right direction.
0: Yeah, so true. So do you believe that it's important to do that like right from the beginning because I know some people are gonna be thinking well like I don't I don't have an audience I don't have people who I can just like go to and say like hey how does this sound and how does this feel and would you want to like purchase this or what would what would you need to make it an easy yes so if you're just getting started is it important to do that piece and if so where do you go if you don't already have that audience built up
1: yeah good question um so it's uh, as you said there's a. Perception, misconception that you have to have an existing audience you have to have people in your um you know in your sphere to to ask those questions um and the truth couldn't be further from that um what it takes is um yeah just taking that step back and very and being very clear on um, who they are um even if they're not existing customers of yours so if you're trying to change your niche, um, introduce a new offer that uh, doesn't necessarily align with your existing customer base. It's a matter of tracking them down. So Facebook groups, Facebook communities are great spots for that. Um, Also potential business friends of yours. So if you know someone in your um, circle that is working with your aligned customers, ask them to um, share the survey Uh, with their audience for you and you'd be surprised a lot of customers are very forthcoming with um, sharing their insights Um, so yeah that would be a good starting point what you can also do if you're not quite sure how to tap into that audience um, via a survey is uh, a little bit of online snooping in a non-creepy way of course Um, so having a look on online forums um, like reddit and quora and um, Yeah, listening into the conversation that's happening. So finding those um, forums where aligned questions are being asked and noting the topics that are coming up, also the objections they're talking about, the pain points, all the things I mentioned earlier, and taking note of the language that they're using. So you can totally do that research without actually having um, an existing customer base that aligns with the product or the service that you're investigating.
0: I love it, um how often do you feel like we should be doing this market research like is it should something that we should be revisiting you know every year more than that um, what are your take what's your take on that?
1: Um, I would totally incorporate it as a service based business owner in my onboarding process but also my on, offboarding process, so the beauty here is that. As busy mums, you know, we have too many things happening already, but you can automate that process um, as part of um, your automation. So, um, onboarding, you know, make it part of your onboarding questionnaire, for example, a few strategic questions that help you find out, um, you know, what was going on in their life when they um, were looking into booking you and what transformation are they hoping to achieve. Then you can also check in with them just after finishing your project, so asking them about you know the first quick wins, transformation, um, what the experience was like, and um, what quick results they've um, had from that work with you um, the interaction with you and then also check in again um, depending on the service that you're providing you know two three months down the track to get those tangible results so me as a copywriter i like to check in two months roughly after our time together because that gives people time to actually implement the copy on their website or in their email sequence and they are going to have hard data um, and evidence when it comes to results so Let's say, you know, how many um, extra leads they've got, how many more sales they've made, how their open rates have changed, how their conversion rates have changed. All those things are super handy to then use in your copy, in your testimonials on your website as social proof to show people that it's not all fluff. You're actually um, getting results. Um, And then as a general rule of thumb, every time you are looking at, um, as I said before, introducing a new offer, even considering a new lead magnet, for example, actually ask your audience, ask them what they need, how you can help them, what problems they're facing. And a lot of the time that work really does the groundwork for you and sparks ideas, even blog posts ideas, um, that drive aligned traffic to, to your website. So there's, there's so many opportunities and I would make it a process, a part of your process whenever you are considering, um, shifting anything in your business or introducing a new offer, launching anything. Um, it really helps shape the offer in itself and also the way you market it. Um, yeah, long-term.
0: I love that. I love like these, it makes it so that it's not, it doesn't have to feel like extra work. Like I know everybody's like, we'll do market research, do market research. And it's like, okay, well, I can go into this Facebook group and sure I could post a question, but I love your ideas about infusing it into something that you're already doing. Um, even I, like I, when you were talking, like I was thinking, even with the discovery call process, you know, like you can have a short questionnaire that you, you know, you want to get a little bit of information before you happen on a discovery call with a potential client. And I used to do this and I don't know if I, if I'm the only one, if I'm just weird, but I used to record my discovery calls with clients because I I, number one, knew that I couldn't write everything down that they were saying. So it was helpful for me. Like when I would go back, I wanted to make sure that I heard them correctly, um, that I had it recorded and I could go back and watch it. But there's probably a lot of really golden nuggets in the discovery call process and on the call, especially if you're asking those questions like, you know, what are your, what are you struggling with currently? Like, what is your hope from, you know, working together? All those really great questions that you're going to be able to take that language and apply it into what you do, or even just, again, opened your eyes into, oh, like they, they're thinking about it this way. And I was coming from a different angle. Like maybe I should, you know, try using their language here.
1: Yeah, totally. And as business owners, we are so close to what we do how we do it and um, we're assuming a lot of things about um, those offers as well. So the problems they're solving and um, they don't necessarily align with um, the reality and particularly around, you know, these uncertain times at the moment, like we've just been through a pandemic, there is a looming recession. So needs and problems and hopes really shift continuously. So um, even if you wrote your sales page for your online course, let's say, or for your your key service um, a year ago, the messaging likely needs to shift to be adapted to um, the changing environment we're operating in. So um, it's never a finished piece, your website or your email nurture sequence, for example. Um, It's a continuously evolving beast. And as you speak to people on discovery calls, as you said, um, they give you new insights as well. So it's always a good idea to uh, make little tweaks To your copy as you uncover those new insights and and make sure that you're still speaking to the current environment that you're operating within.
0: It's so true because it's funny, we, we had to shift some of our messaging because, you know, in the beginning, we know with the programs that we have and how we help women like get started working from home so that they can be at home with their kids. You know, after the pandemic and after people kind of being locked inside, a lot of people what we found weren't resonating with the work from home. People were like, I just want to get out of my house. Like, I want to do stuff. Like, so we even had, again, we, like that was our messaging for so long because that's what was resonating. And then, you know, you, obviously I couldn't predict a pandemic or anything like that. So having to shift that, and it's so true. Like you have to be aware that even minor things can affect, you know, how people resonate with certain things and doing this research and taking the time to do it Um, But also, like you said, finding these like little clever ways to make it a regular part of your business process can make it so that it doesn't feel like, oh, it's another task, another thing that I have to do. And, oh, well, I just I'll put it off because it's not it doesn't really make that big of a difference um, when it truly does.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there are so many practical online tools out there that take the hassle out of it for you so personally for client projects and for my own business i use um, google forms to collect responses and it's so easy you just you know set up this survey Um, it even allows you to have notifications so you get notified when someone has responded Um, puts it all in a spreadsheet for you so you can then organize it into Um, I like to call them buckets. So um, yeah, themes that help you tap into it down the track whenever you are writing social media polls, whenever you're looking for a marketing um, email idea, even for a blog post, as I said before. Um, so, sorting them into buckets like objections, pain points, desires, and then you just keep adding to it. So, as you um, jump on discovery calls, as you offboard clients, onboard clients, um, you just take a minute. Um, here and there to just add a new snippet into that spreadsheet Um, and that really gives you that awesome juicy golden nugget bank full of ideas um, for your business and it uh, means you're never starting from a blank page again whenever you write copy, whenever you're looking for ideas um, and whenever you're looking for messaging that really resonates.
0: I love that you literally, you must have read my mind because my next question was going to be okay. Like now that we have all this this research, we have these um, you know different phrases, different wordings, maybe different um, testimonial pieces or whatever from our clients. Like how do we organize this so that we are actually using it? Right, like it's it's one thing to get this information and then just let it sit there, but to actually figure out a way to make it so that it's organized so that you have it. So I love that you um, talked about like organizing into different buckets. I would love if you could share maybe some of the, like, maybe give us an example question for like how somebody could find like an objection or how somebody could find a pain point. um, if they're asking that question to, um, their audience, like, is there any particular ways to word that to maybe elicit a really great response?
1: Yeah. So, um, Generally, survey-wise, um, quick tip here before um, getting into it, um, I would always stay clear of drop-downs and tick boxes in general, um, which is tempting because, right, everyone tells you you need hard data to analyse and get percentages. But um, if you're doing audience research, your focus really needs to be on capturing um, the language. So the aim of any survey is to um, take your customer or the audience on uh, a journey and help them relive that that whole process they they were going through at the time. So um, existing customers here, you take them back to the time when they were considering and investigating you as a possible solution. Um, and then one great question to capture possible objections is, um, you know, what was standing between you And the purchase um, at the time so what was going on in your mind that could have prevented you from that purchase and just leave it at that so you don't want to give them drop downs and and tick boxes around you know time money Um, because if you present them with options you are trying to steer them in the way you assume uh, they go into and the amount of things you uncover if you leave it as a long-form answer Um, and let your um, audience ride are pure golden nuggets so obviously price uh, and that perception um, that you're poor on time is always a thing you want to find out all those other bits and pieces um, so around for example let's say uh, a self-paced course to get your head around your business finances so there might be um, you know that perception that I need to be an accountant like I, I just don't know numbers it's all too hard so things like that are Priceless because you can you can speak to that in the copy and um, address objections before they become a thing. Um, so that's in the um, pre-launch sequence that you're hopefully running as well. Um, so gradually priming your audience to overcome those mental hurdles before they hit your sales page or your website to look into your service pages as well. So open-ended questions um, and questions that don't lead your audience into a certain Path that you presume they want to go down.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I was literally just talking about this with um, the women in my mastermind community. We were talking about surveys, and she was like, "Well, here are the here are the choices that I'm going to give them. Like, does this make sense?" And I was like, "Why don't you just leave it open ended? Why don't you let them tell you?" Um, and she was like, "Well, because I think they're gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna fall into one of these three camps." And I'm like, "Or they could be a part of a different camp that you're not even thinking about yet." So I love that you mentioned that there too because it is important. That's going to be, you know, because they even might be, oh, well, I'm a little bit of this and a little bit of this. So then, they're, if they're feeling like, "Well, I've got, I can only pick one here," you know, you're not truly getting that data as you would if they could. You know, and you could, I feel like sometimes you can talk about those things and share about, like, you know, is it this or is it that? But I think leaving it open ended, you're, like you said, you're going to get their true words. And then you're going to be having people like, oh my gosh, you read my mind. Like, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, well, thanks for telling me that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And another great example here is a survey that I ran recently for a um, client of mine. So she was um, running a bookkeeping business, a virtual bookkeeper um, at the time, but was trying to shift into uh, becoming a virtual CFO. And her audience, her current audience, um, none of the existing customer base aligned with the type of business owner she wanted to work with. So the budgets weren't aligned. They weren't at no point to invest that type of money it takes to um, have a virtual CFO on your um, on your business every month. So what we did is take a survey to um, yeah an aligned audience within Facebook communities that I'm a part of, she's a part of. So we approached people who had never dealt with her. Um, people who, um, there were a mix of people who had worked with a virtual CFO before, people who had no idea what a virtual CFO was and people who had no intention of ever working with one. And um, that gave us that unique opportunity to come at the information they're giving us from a yeah, from three different angles. And one of the questions we asked open ended again, it could have been tempting to give it, um, you know, tick box to select is how much would you be willing to pay monthly, month by month for a virtual CFO on your business? And we left it open ended simply because we wanted to see how those three different audience groups would respond. Um, and it was very um, interesting to see how yeah, different personal experiences with virtual CFOs, um, yeah, led uh, to a perception around how much they're worth, how much um, people are willing to pay. And um, yeah, funnily enough, one of the respondents responded, well, um, you need to give people a range to pick from. Otherwise, they always go to to the lower end of, um, you know, the range anyway. And that was exactly what we were trying to counteract. So we were going to let people um, answer from a gut gut feeling. And um, that gave us so many insights and gave her so much information with, um, you know, how she had to price the services, what objections she had to overcome, how she had to show the value in her in her service to certain audience groups.
0: That's so cool. Because I, I, I literally was thinking that too, like when you talk, especially when you talk about price. I mean, it's just human nature, if you give somebody a price to like, oh, you know, like how much are you willing to pay? Of course, they're going <laughs> to they're going to pick the lowest one. Right. Like, but if you just presented them with the price or, you know, got their feedback on it um, and then you were able to, like, overcome those objections and talk about their desires, you would be surprised what people would be willing to pay um, if they if they don't know that there's another option available to them, that, that that's the price that it is.
1: Yeah, exactly, and um, yeah, those people who had worked with a virtual CFO before they saw the value in it, and their yeah their price range was a lot higher um, to people who had no idea what a virtual CFO was doing, or um, people who were at the stage of potentially considering working with a virtual CFO. So very interesting. And it tells you so much about the work you have to do to prime your audience.
0: Well, this has been so helpful and I feel inspired to to get back out there and continue to do that research. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of this valuable information with me and with my audience I know they're absolutely going to love this. I would love for you to share where we can find you, connect with you, learn more about like what you do and your services and everything that you have to offer.
1: Yeah, totally. So you can um, hop over to my website, probably the best location. Um, It's candocontent.com. And you can also sign up to a free over-the-shoulder tutorial where I take you through that client project I just mentioned. So um, Casey, seeing my bookkeeper turned virtual CFO and um, I take you through had the steps we took to uncover all the juicy audience insights what we uncovered and then how we turned that into copy that resonated with an audience she had never worked with before so that is a freebie Um, I'll share the link with Aubrey um, to sign up to and then if you are keen to DIY your audience research. Um, I do have um, a product that's called the Audience Success Formula, and it is a DIY toolkit that gives you all the templates, swipe files, um, questions, strategies, toolkit, um, you know, tech options to DIY your uh, your audience research, no matter whether you're trying to uh, launch a new offer, Genuinely try to um, write copy that speaks to your audience. Um, it can be repurposed as your business evolves and grows and, um, you know, goes from a early day business through to um, an established growing business. So you can suss that out as well Or on my website. If you do want to um, drop me a DM and let me know your biggest takeaways, you can totally do that on Instagram and my handle there is at content.
0: Love it. We will link all of those, all those links up in the show notes so that everybody can go grab those things. Thank you again, Nadine, for coming on today. I know my audience is really going to have some great takeaways from this and they're going to love this.
1: Fabulous. Thank you so much for having me, Aubrey.